Hey guys, you're listening to Musings with Townsend and Preacher Man, the podcast where life issues and the Bible collide. We hope you enjoy today's topic and are encouraged to do some musing yourself. Thanks for listening. I have clicked record in the new season. I find myself the season of summer vacation. Townsend, I am on summer vacation. By the time we're recording it right now, I'm on summer vacation. By the time it goes live, I'm on summer vacation. And because of the choices I'm making in the future, I'm on perpetual summer vacation, as it were, because I'm not going back at the same level I was before. And if I sound happy about that and you think, well, that's weird, I apologize, but I'm happy about that. I am on the rest of my life. I'm looking at a summer vacation. How well, about that? my face is not a nice one looking at him. <laughs> <laughs> no, for the first time, and I don't know when, I get to do one calling, and that's the only calling, and I'm really excited about that. That has nothing to do with why you're here today, though, because we are super thankful to have you here for this week's episode of Musings with Townsend and Preacher Man. I'm Preacher Man, like always. That's Townsend across the monitor from me. Hey, y'all. We are super thankful to have you guys here, and I cannot... It's gonna. It's always going to be like this broken record type thing, but you guys, you don't realize how much it means when my phone lights up. All of us got smartphones, and I swipe up on it. My little mail icon has a little red number next to it, and I click it, and there's a podcast email, and it's from one of you. You have no honest. You have It's like a kid at Christmas. <gasps> what is this? And uh, sometimes it's ads, and so it's defeating and deflating when that happens, <laughs> but lots more than normal. Uh, you guys are reaching out and letting us know what you think and giving us some ideas. In fact, we have burnt through our list that we made last year, and so it'll be time to start working on a new one. And every one of the topics for the next one, two, three, four, five, six weeks are going to come from you guys. No, seven, because there's one that's a text that I haven't written down. So you guys are helping us so much, and we yes, are absolutely. always have been wanting to work our way towards almost, as it were, communicating back and forth with you, being able to talk about the things that you have questions about. And so to see that coming to a fr- to fruition like this, it's just it's exciting for me. Uh, I know it's exciting for Townsend as well. And so I just can't not thank you enough. I, I, I appreciate and love every one of you. And really and truly, you guys say so many kind things, and someone has asked me how they could support us. The easiest, 100% most efficient and best way to support us is to let somebody know we exist. That is the only thing. Absolutely. There isn't any reason for you to be considering, like, somebody even mentioned, I was in the pharmacy once and talked to somebody who knew us and, and, and other places in town, but sometime I met somebody who had listened to the podcast and they want to know about, do we have memberships or whatever. I'm like, uh, <laughs> have you met us? I mean, no, uh, I'm not uh, Joe Rogan or whoever else is big on Apple and Spotify. No, 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 no. That's not why we're doing this. The way you can support us guys, reach out to us and just let us know you're there and share this with somebody and increase our, our community because that's our whole goal is to build up this community of encouragement and uh, two weirdos who are willing to talk about things that other people might feel like you're not supposed to talk about in a public setting, <laughs> eh, well, then we're your huckleberries, as, they used, as a guy in that movie said. So anyway, last week was a challenge for me. I don't know about the rest of you, but making it to the end of last week took all that I had, and it took more of God in the first place. But we're one week after that. And so uh, last week, Townsend asked if I wanted to shift from the topic we spoke on to today's topic, and it wouldn't have done me any good <laughs> in the position I was, but I'm, I'm certainly happy to be here and happy to talk about this topic with her, because I know she has her point of view on what to do, and I have mine, and 
we want God to be able to illuminate us on how to how to get through this. But today's topic on my little sheet here is asking a question: What am I supposed to do with pain? And this isn't necessarily what we're not talking about. Like, ooh, that that stung, or ow, that bit me. What am I supposed to do with the pain of life? Because sometimes life hurts, and sometimes it's unbearable the way it hurts. But what exactly are we supposed to do with that? Because we're supposed to be striving towards a goal, but how are we supposed to be able to strive and survive when life seems so very overcome with all this sorrow all around us? And I'll just start out by pointing out one of my favorite Proverbs, Proverb 15, the very first verse, Solomon writes and says, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but harsh words stir up anger. And if you look around at all the anger that you might be personally surrounded by or that you just watch five minutes of the news and see the anger that the world is surrounded with. It's so sad. You can recognize that it's it's always that anger seems to be on the heels of somebody having said something wrong, have said something harsh, said something hurtful, mean, on purpose, mean, uh, you know, and I've probably, we've, one of us have probably mentioned before in episodes past about being taught as a kid, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. And it's very well-meaning and physically it's true, but ultimately it's not because words cut real deep. And so they they bring us a lot of pain and so do choices and behaviors and actions. But what are we supposed to do with that? How are we supposed to deal with that? Or what's the thought process? Because here's, um, just because it's a small town, I don't want to say too much, but last week something happened and it was on the heels of months ago, something happening where the inability to handle the pain of life was on full display uh, in with someone who was important to me. And I want to be a part of fixing that, but sometimes you don't know what to do. And so the question, what am I supposed to do with this? How do I help? What am I supposed to say? Or maybe you're thinking to yourself, I've never been in a position like that, so how am I supposed to give a give a care one way or another? Well, all of that matters because God wants us to be encouragers of one another, just as we're supposed to be encouragers of of ourselves. So Townsend, have you by any chance ever been with someone who had had enough of life that they figured they didn't want any more life? Yes, Um, actually, and I've already kind of verified that he's okay with this, but my brother was in that uh, very position not too terribly long ago. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, when it's someone that you're in acquaintance with versus someone who is your family, mm-hmm. your immediate family, your flesh and blood, um, the panic, the sheer panic, especially if there's distance between you, is just unimaginable. Because, yes, I have been in that position with someone who was important to me, mm-hmm. but I had never been in that position with someone who was my flesh and blood. Right, right. And so um, I want to start out with saying that, you know, we talk about how the world is and how sad it is and how bad it is and how angry it is. But the fact that that is brought right in front of our faces, that's purposeful from, oh, from an outside, you yeah. know, that's, that's not coming from God. That is, that is strictly the spiritual warfare that we're talking about. And it's displayed right in front of us mm-hmm. on purpose mm-hmm. to put us in a place where we feel like all hope is lost. Right. And so I know that the ultimate goal is for all of us to realize that the victory has been won. Mm -hmm. That is the ultimate goal, that overall the entire battle, the day in and day out, you know, the grand scheme of things, the victory is won. But how do you take on each day when you really can't 
take a hold of that. And so when um, what had happened with my my brother was he had just been through like, you know, several different instances to where he had gotten it in his head that he couldn't do anything right. Mm -hmm. It was like, what am I even here for? What is my purpose? What do I matter? Mm -hmm. You know, and and what initiated um, the thought of I don't want to be here anymore was basically I'm going to say a reprimand maybe from my father who also happens to be his boss. And so, you know. Dad is dad and Mr. Yes, owner, yeah, owner gotcha, of gotcha. the business. Yes. And so in the world's minds, they look at my brother's situation and think, man, you got it good. Mm-hmm. You live in a house that you've built on your parents' land. You run your dad's business. You don't really have a worry in the world. You've got family. You've got friends. Life is good. Right. But any time that that things look great on the outside, there is a strong possibility that the person in that situation doesn't really feel that exact way. You don't know everything they know, or mm-hmm. you don't see everything they're exactly. dealing with. Yeah. And so, number one, we don't know what everyone else is going through on the on the you know past the surface deep. We just don't know. Mm-hmm. And second of all. The devil can totally turn things around and make you feel like something it's not. Right. And so ultimately, that was what was happening to him. Day in and day out, he was being made feel like he couldn't do anything right, like he didn't have anything to offer. Mm -hmm. And when I couldn't get to him, the next best thing was I text my cousin and was like, get someone to him now. And so she did. And this is crazy, but she um, called her Mm ex-husband and was like, get to Cody now. And I don't care for anyone to know his name because he is elaborate about this testimony. He went straight to him and began just talking, not Mm -hmm. even about Jesus Christ, just just talking, just being there. And after several hours, I get a phone call from him and he's like, I'm okay now. And it hit me like a ton of bricks in that moment when all hope is lost and you feel like every single thing in the world is crashing down. Sometimes all you need is a lifeline. Mm -hmm. Sometimes all you need is a life vest to keep you from drowning. And sometimes the person who happens to be that, and I know for a fact in this instance, no one involved knew what to do. No one, none of us. But just sat down and had a conversation and slowed everything down. Well, last night we were talking about a Bible study, my women group that we, um, my little horse women group that I have. We were discussing a Bible study that we're doing right now, and we were talking about the ways that you see God. Mm. And we each shared instances of where God was seen in the most humble, calm, quiet, nothing extravagant, nothing Mm. like super flashy, bombs going off, fireworks going off, no major moments are when we really saw God at work the most. Mm -hmm. And so in that moment, when my cousin stepped in and she was able to help and those quiet moments of just sitting there having a conversation, God was there. Right. They all saw God working. Yeah. And so I think we, as people who maybe haven't necessarily experienced that, experienced this on our own as far as pain and feeling like that we couldn't handle life anymore. I have been there, by the way, mm-hmm. but I haven't in a very, very long time. And so for me, it's I'm usually on the end of trying to help. I have to remember that it doesn't take something extravagant. Like, I always want to have something profound. Right. I always want to have the, the answer. burning bush. Yeah. And I always want to know exactly what to do, but I just don't think that we have to have that to help. 
No. I think if we just dive in, and, and you and I talked about this last week, the ones that are willing to get their hands dirty, it's not fun. But most of the time, that's where people end up. Mm-hmm. I was the first person my brother called because he knew I would do something. Yeah. There was no doubt in his mind that I would do something. And so having said that, I want to say to listener land, if you find yourself in that, and I'm throwing him right underneath the front wheel of this bus over here, preacher man, so hold on. Oh. If you find yourself in that situation, neither of us mind getting our hands dirty. Oh, oh, no. <laughs> send the email, send send a smoke signal, whatever you have to do. You do have a lifeline. If if you've only ever listened to this podcast this one time, please write down our contact information because if it ever is you, I would love for you to reach out to us and we won't have the answers, but I feel like we know exactly where to turn to and and our creator can surely equip us enough to help sure. in the moment. Yeah, I that's I think that's one poison about I guess it's important to notice that uh sort of the idea of what to do with with pain in your life that you're having to carry or a burden. You can call it whatever you want, really, but ultimately you're going to kind of end up thinking about taking your own life. Like that's the end result of people who can't handle the pain long enough. We kind of get to that place of the only way to solve it is to be done with it completely. Yes. And I, 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 uh, I, I feel bad for people who hear about, talk about, ponder the idea of suicide and just immediately think, oh, I would never do that because you've just never been down that low. Yes, correct. I haven't been suicidal, but I have been in positions where my understanding of why someone would was vastly broadened. Absolutely. And so I think one poison about pain is to think that you're alone. So whatever you've done or whatever has been done to you, or whatever you're going through, I think that the idea of I'm the only person to have ever been in this situation, not only is that just a lie straight from hell, but it is it exists to isolate you further so that the idea of you're, you're not important, you don't matter, so you might as well go on with that, becomes that much more valid to you. Because, you know, I don't care if you've robbed a bank. You're not the first person to rob a bank. I don't care if you... I mean, we could name the most wicked things. We could name the most benign things. Any of them, you're not the first, and I hate it, but you won't be the last either. And you don't know what the people in your lives truly will feel about what you're going through if you never share it, because there's so many assumptions, and I do it too. Mm -hmm. I mean, we all catch ourselves thinking, if I let them know this one thing that's going on with me or this one thing that I'm thinking, they're gone. They'll never forgive me. They'll never look at me the same. I'll never be able to get past this. There's a million reasons that we can come up with not to be a little bit vulnerable or a whole lot vulnerable Mm -hmm. and be honest with the people in our lives about where we are, whether it's physically, emotionally, spiritually, whatever. I mean, I I know that just in – the past 12 month window, I can't pinpoint exactly when it was, but I was even struggling spiritually because I felt like, Hey, you know, if I was truly seeking God as hard as I think I am, why would I still be struggling with X or Mm -hmm. why would I Mm -hmm. still be, you know? And so then I was able to share that with someone I trusted and they kind of brought me through it. And so, you know, that's another thing that the devil does is he he makes us believe we can't share that. There's no possible way the people who care about us would ever be willing to do anything or help or not run right. or whatever. 
And that's one of the things that we really should be doing with pain is sharing it. And I, I don't, I can't speak for every pastor that came before, the ones that will come after, but as a minister, can I just offer to you, if you've never heard someone say this to you, I don't know why you would be listening to this anyway, but if you're out there and you've been super hurt by someone who claimed to be Christian or to be, you know, what I'm using air quotes, a person of faith, and you were hurt by them physically, mentally, emotionally, I don't know how, and you've never been apologized, I want you to know that I have nothing to do with it. I respect that. But I am so very deeply sorry that people have trampled you and the name of Jesus all at once by being false, wicked, broken. You deserve to know that whatever has happened to you doesn't make you, period, if that makes sense. Like, it isn't your pain that is you, and that's all there is to tell. So whatever you're dealing with, that's all there is. And so now that I know about it, I'm embarrassed to know you, and I want to get as far away from you as possible, which I think is what Townsend's kind of talking about. If you only knew, you know, there's a limit that I can share with you, because once I share with you that other thing, you're going to regret that you know me and disappear forever. That's not how it's supposed to be, and I'm not going to deny that that is the way it is. David even felt this way about God in Psalm 22. He's actually, now if you don't know about Psalm 22, it's what Jesus is actually quoting when he's being killed and crucified on the cross. So when Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That is the first line of Psalm 22. David was writing and saying, why have you left? Even you left me. I cry out to you, but at night I hear nothing and I don't have any rest. He, he, Felt alone. Again, the greatest poison of pain is the idea that you're alone. Now, to his credit, by verse 3, he says, yet you are still God. You are still the Holy One. And, yes. and so I know that you're where you are. And I know that there were people before me that cried out to you, and you rescued them. So I know you hear me. But even he had to remind himself of right, that. Right, which is the second poison of being in a painful situation, which is you start forgetting the truth. Yes. And this is where I found myself very recently with some, was the situation where someone thought their worth was less than zero. And so in my presence, behaved in a way that endangered themselves. Now, I wanted all, I, I, I even went home and told my wife how embarrassed I was in myself for how angry I became. Like, I haven't felt that kind. I was so angry that this person felt this way and it but it was so weird because it wasn't an, it was partly directed at them because why would you do this how don't you why don't you know that you ma- you know all these things yes but also it was anger at a society that would let somebody be that way yes and see this is where the poison of being a southerner comes into play and in the pantheon of 50 whatever <laughs> episodes we've made now going on 60 i guess I don't know if I've ever mentioned this before, but I hate the fact that down here in the South, we like to say, how are you? But we don't give any care about what your answer is. Yeah, exactly. In fact, you will, you will, you can trip somebody up if they say, hey, how are you today? And you actually say something other than fine. You can see on their face, they don't know what to do next. Like, yes. uh, <laughs> you're only supposed to say you're fine. So see this isolation of you're alone you're the only person who ever have this problem in the first place. You're alone, and nobody really cares. That's all. I wish it was a pure lie, but it's a lie based on evidence yes. because there are not enough people that care. And it isn't that they don't care conveniently. 
And let me define that as someone needs help and you say, oh, I hate that. But then you just move on to the next thing. We just said last night, so oftentimes we as a Christian society, and I've done it. I mean, I'm not saying you other people. Mm -hmm. I mean, like me too. We say, I'll pray for you, and you leave it at that or you never do. Like you may actually just whisper a little moment right then and there, but you never actually dive into a conversation with the Lord about this person, and you sure never take any steps toward doing I mean, I think almost sometimes you're scared to actually pray about it because you're afraid of what he might ask you to do. Well, I would I would offer to you that it'd be interesting to analyze people who pray after they've told somebody they would pray for them. I would be willing to bet you if you kind of tried to do a little study on that, most of the time people are praying for God to do something. They're not praying to ask God what they can do. Yeah, I agree. Which I'm not uh, embarrassed at all to say probably my favorite book of the Bible is James, and he very passionately says... If all that's if that's all you ever do is say, "Oh, I'll pray for you," then how have you helped that person? Right. And he's not saying that because he's diminishing the power of prayer. And every time this comes up, I feel like there's probably someone who thinks, "Oh, you're you're saying that prayer isn't isn't powerful." No, I'm not saying that, but I'm saying that you have been given abilities by your Creator to make a change or to make a difference in someone's life. You're supposed to be doing it, not just saying, "Oh, well, I'll think about you randomly later on tomorrow." You know what I mean? Yes, Does that make sense? Absolutely. That's why there's so much. First, I think pain comes from sin. Okay. I think that's why it exists. And so, A, if you're dealing with pain, be able to name why it's there. Because trying to hide from it is how you end up in a in a deeper hole, I I, I think. You know, if your pain comes from behavior, well then your relief might also come from behavior. Um, you, you might be doing something and you don't know how to stop. Townsend said, if she was such a good Christian, why would she still be struggling with X, Y, Z? Because she's also human. Right. So letting that be known that, hey, I still see this, I recognize this problem. Well, that's not, that's not a pain that ought to haunt her. That is a, a reminder of a muscle that needs more work. That's all. And so, but we definitely live in a society where we have this idea of, oh, so if you're... If you're a, a Sunday school teacher, then you're supposed to be perfect. I have been told to my face before, you're not supposed to have that problem because you're a preacher. Oh, you know, and, and what I knew then was there's not a lot of conversation going to happen here because yes. you don't even see humanity in someone. So what are we going to talk about now? So this idea that because someone has hurt is hurting or someone is suffering, that they don't, they shouldn't be, you know. Uh, I don't know. Let's see. I'm looking at my list because I know recently we talked about depression and taking medicine. Well, you know, if you really knew Jesus, you wouldn't need that medicine. Well, let me tell you, good sir or madam, that's not helpful. And you know, until you've literally walked in someone's shoes and you've experienced what they've experienced, we can't all feel the same or we couldn't fulfill what God needed done. Right. I mean, if we all felt exactly the same way about everything, 
everyone would be like me and tend to care about the animals a tad more than the humans <laughs> yeah. sometimes. Or, you know, there would be, you know, my passion is, is dealing with children and I love teaching the youth and teaching the littles and being involved with children. There would be no people there to tend to the older generation yeah. of people who are struggling or people who, you know, whatever the case may be, we can't all have the exact same feelings about things. Is it fair to say that it takes effort to see it from somebody's point of view. It takes so much effort because, you know, my significant other and I, we do not see eye to eye on every single thing. And the things that he is passionate about, that's not always the things that I am and vice versa. Mm-hmm. You know, and so when I want to bring in 12 children into my home and just take them in and adopt them, he's mm-hmm. kind of hesitant about even considering the possibility of one. But then after collectively praying about it right. and and addressing it, we both kind of come to the understanding of where we need to be and what we need to be doing. Right. So we don't have the same feelings, but together we make a perfect team. And yes. so that's the way God designs it with, with us in society. And so it's interesting. Interesting that you you noted the two different feelings, and when you are out of step with your spouse, there is pain. Yes. But you just said whether you know it, I mean, whether you thought that's why you were saying it or not, but you just said to us that the solution to that pain was when you came together. Yes. So again, I say the aloneness that pain makes you think you have is one is that's poisonous because you feel like you're alone. You no one's ever hurt like this. No, they have. In fact, I may. That's something else, by the way. If you have survived pain, you have moved through it and has made you a better person, you need not to carry shame because God has forgiven it. You need to celebrate and share that because my greatest failures have been my greatest teachings to others who are in that same position. Well, last week in Sunday school, I keep saying this on the podcast every week, last week in Sunday school this, or last week in Sunday school that, but this is how God ties everything together. The lesson was on scars. Right. It was on scars and how our scars, some of them are superficial that everyone can see on the outside. Some of them are very, very deep wounds that maybe still aren't fully healed, Mm -hmm. but we have a story to tell through every single one of them, and somehow that their that design is to help someone else through right. something similar. Yeah, absolutely, because well, and it's like years ago I talked about the Japanese art of repairing broken pottery by literally using a gold glue, as it were, to highlight that crack, and it makes it more beautiful because you see it's this beautiful intricate weave of of how it's been put back together but you know that something broke it first but that made you more beautiful paul is the perfect example of this and we don't have to go through that right now but i just need you to understand that you're not the only person to be wherever you are and you're not alone somebody else has done whatever you did somebody has been in that place and just because five people have acted like they don't care it doesn't mean that someone doesn't care And you have to do something that I am super bad at, which I'm actually glad she just kind of said it and moved on. But if I swing back around right at the beginning, Townsend talked about how all of that anger and all of that frustration that's in front of us in the news and all the various medias. And when you go to the store and all that, that's all on purpose. It isn't actually that bad. It isn't actually that ugly. It's just what they choose to show you. Amen. Because I, 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 I stray from any sort of self-aggrandizing or, or advertising, but 
I'm super proud of my home congregation, and I'm super proud of even through coronavirus, how this church responded during that time and the things that we refused to stop and and the things that we were willing to to be responsible on. And we were responsible with the things we refused to stop. But very specifically, let me quit beating around the bush, make it sound weird. But the way that my church family has responded to food distribution in my community, I would suggest is one of the most beautiful acts of faith that anyone around here could be a part of. And it has nothing to do with it's me as the pastor or this as the church. Just the idea of I don't care who you are. I don't care from whence you have come. If you will come in here, follow our little guidance into where to park and let us walk by, we want to give you something that you didn't already have. And then um, because we work through a government uh, USDA provider, we have to have a form filled out annually. Last year, we didn't have to do it because of COVID. Now that's an over enough that they've requested the form. So we had to have all this form fill out and turn in the next day. A lady comes to get some forms to fill out, uh, take back to her other families that she picks up food for. And she was just apologizing to me that she didn't come get a food box yesterday. And I said, honey, that's that's perfectly fine. You don't have to come. So she was asking if she would be allowed to pick up boxes for her and her family Uh, even though she didn't come yesterday, which of course, that's fine. We do that. And I was carrying the stuff out to her car for her. And she began to tell me how her son, who was graduating high school, had brain cancer and how she has to go back and forth to Jackson for his follow-up treatments and that they really thought he wasn't really going to be able to succeed at school. And yet he's decided he could do it. And he's graduating high school. The school worked with them about doing work at home and whatever. And he wants to go to college. And she said, but the truth is yesterday I was just so tired because I I either have to go to Jackson for him or I have to go to Jackson for me because I was in a car wreck. And I have, she said, I'm kind of put together with screws and bolts from the hips down. And so I asked her her son's name and I already had her name from the form. And I said, can I pray with you before you go? And so I know there's no shock to you because that's how we used to do it before the world caved in. But when she drove off, I walked back over to the table where some of us were collecting the forms. And I said, okay, I really miss that. Yes. The idea that I got the chance to remind this woman, you're not alone in that. Because for just this minute, I care enough to stand with you. I really loved the fact that I said, can I pray with you before you go? And she immediately just grabbed my hand and said, yep, you can. (laughs) You know, but you know how our rule is to ask if you have permission to touch somebody or whatever, but she just snatched my hand. I love it. And I was like, let's do that. And just letting people know they're not alone is probably the primary cure to all of the pain in the world. And you know, like you talked about distribution and I bring my toddler with me to Mm -hmm. that sometimes and it's a very inconvenient situation a little bit but she was with me this past Sunday and she kept wanting to just lean all in of everyone's window and just like smile or chat or whatever she was doing she was singing part of the time and Almost every one of them were worried about us being too hot Mm -hmm. or us needing something to drink. Or they constantly kept asking me, are y'all okay? Are y'all too hot? Do Mm -hmm. you need something to drink? And I'm going to get emotional. I feel it coming in my throat right now. But I thought, here I am standing here putting these cars in line for us to give them food, but they're worried about Mm -hmm. me. And so in that moment, 
I don't really think there's very many people who get in that line who aren't feeling some sort of pain because right. they're all in. Need. Why would you do this? Why would you, <laughs> Why be would in you line? wait in line? Exactly. And, right. And so they're in some sort of pain. And some of them, I don't know. I do think some of them come just to have a place to come to yeah, and to, to, you know, visit and, and they are in need of the food, maybe not as crucially as someone else, but they do want to have a place where they go and they, they have a purpose of doing or even getting food items for other family right. members. Yeah. And so in that moment, you know, we were just visiting car to car and, you know, I'm so bossy, but at the same time I try to, you know, carry on conversations. And I thought, you know, I hope today that when they drive away from here, their circumstances aren't thought about at all. And maybe they can just think about this goofy little toddler who would not get out of their window. Yeah. And, and that, that is what I meant when I said, it's really not going to be something profound. Well, and let's be clear. The majority of our friends have different skin color from us. Absolutely. And if I all I did was watch the television, we're just supposed to hate one another. Amen. Because yeah. somehow the answer to all of our problems is to go backwards 65, 70 years in American history. I don't know why, but so we're all supposed to hate one another. Yet here we are proving that that stuff's not the truth. Yep. That's just what the evil of the world wants me to see. Absolutely. So... I'm not alone in all of this. None of us are alone. You don't have to feel that way, but you do have to go find out that it's not true. And what I mean by that is when we're overcome with pain and we start believing that we're alone and that no one cares, the devil is really good at convincing us to crawl into a pit. And the lower down we get, the more he says, yeah, nobody out there wants to know. Nobody out there cares. The whole time, you might have in your in your mind the image of, you know, that it would be nice to have that person look up and see that at the top of that hole that they had crawled into, all these hands reaching down trying to get them, but that's not, that's not right. Jesus didn't stand at the top of the hole and reach down. He got in the hole with us. Absolutely. And our response to all these people hurting around us is to get into the hole. It is to try to see it from their point of view. And it's hard because, honestly, if they're stuck in the hole and you dive off into the hole, there's no it's, guarantees of how either one of you are getting out. Have you ever been in a small room with a wild cat? Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's bad. You said at the very beginning, it's messy. Yes. But that's okay. My, our, our, our greatest gift is that we don't have to go to heaven with clean clothes. Yep. Because he's going to give me something new. When we went on a mission trip to minister to some small kids in an inner city of our state, I remember having my mind, I, I'm telling you 100%, until that trip, I always thought, you know, really, this country is a great place. We have so many opportunities and, you know, all the blah, blah, blah. If somebody grows up and just enters into gang life and drug, you know, it's because they're choosing that. I 100% that was my opinion until we went on that trip. And when I was, I don't know how, I don't know why my name got drawn. I don't know how I ended up, but I ended up sitting outside of the room we were supposed to be working in with our little kids that morning. And instead I was cradling a little boy who had acted up. He was being violent. And I was cradling him while he's kind of thrown a tantrum on this couch in the hallway. And he finally falls asleep. And one of the workers said, I appreciate you sitting with him his parents smoke crack in the house. And so that activity that he was doing this morning is because he's coming down off of secondhand exposure. And that's, that was his, his physical response to all of that. 
And in that moment, God decided that 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 was my time in that trip, and he and I could feel him getting my attention. And he said, "Now you tell me how this young man is going to choose." And see, it's so sad because you know that's I put a post up the other day. What you've done for the least of these, you know, right. brothers and sisters of mine, you've done for me, but. You have to have his eyes in order to see it sometimes. I had to be made to see it from that that little boy's point of view. I don't know. I don't have any concept of my parents smoking crack in the living room. I don't have any concept of deciding whether I'm going to smoke a drug for $3 that makes me forget I'm hungry or buy one white loaf of bread because they both cost the exact same thing and eat air sandwiches. I mean, which one of those is going to give me the most pleasure in the shortest amount of time? You know, I don't have any concept of this. Right. I have to be made to think that way. And I guess what I'm the, the point I feel like you and I would want to make the most is you have to be willing to see that you were wrong about something. Yes. So that you can do something about someone else's pain. Yes. And if you're and if you're the one who's in that pain, you're the one who's experiencing that pain, we can't forget that there are moments of God's pure sweetness and grace in every single moment of our weakness. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, that goes back to Second Corinthians twelve nine when it talks about God's grace being sufficient for you and God's grace being made perfect in our weaknesses. Mm-hmm. We as a human society take our weaknesses and just shred apart the person who is dealing with right. that weakness. Oh, we're crucifying Even you. if it's ourselves. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, sure. I mean, sure. we do that to ourselves. We look in the mirror and we do that to ourselves. But that's the very moment when God truly can can shine through your weakness. And so we can't... I shared something on Facebook again the other day about... A teacher giving a rock and a sucker to oh, each yeah, member really like to each member of her class. She had each and every student put the sucker in their mouth and the rock in one of their shoes and walk to the end of the street and back. When they got back to her, she asked them about their trip and every one of them complained about the rock. You know, it's so uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. It hurt every little thing about the rock and how the rock was just such a nuisance, just terrible. The rock, the rock, the rock. And nothing was mentioned about the sweet sucker in their mouth at all. You know, no one ever mentioned that. Mm-hmm. And the the post that I shared said, we, we so oftentimes get so caught up with what is causing us pain or harm or issues that we forget to even see where God's sweetness has been the yeah. entire time. Yeah. And so I think that's another thing with those of us who are experiencing pain or our friends or family who are going through things and maybe feel like they can't really see past it. You also, while those of us who are okay over here in the moment need to be seeking the way to see it from your perspective, you have to take a moment and recognize God's grace and sweetness, even in your moment of sorrow and pain. Right. Because uh, sometimes we might need to learn that in the moments we're feeling pain, it's part of the discipline we need to be what we are supposed to be. Absolutely. Not all pain comes from disobedience. Sometimes pain, I have cried plenty of times because I did the right thing and because it hurt the result. Um, so not all pain is, I guess, in that sense, bad. But let me let me say something about suicide just because while you were talking and, and uh, again, this idea of just sharing and being together. Let me clarify maybe one or two things about suicide. First, it is not 
the one-way ticket to hell that you might have been told it was. Now, you can disagree with me, and I'm, <laughs> we can, I guess, agree to disagree. But the history of that idea comes from the Catholic teachings of venial and mortal sins, the sins that can be forgiven and the sins that cannot have any absolution whatsoever. Suicide is a mortal sin in that, in that pantheon. And so what that means is if you were to take your own life, you can't be absolved of that because you're dead. You can't seek forgiveness. So thus you go to hell. In, in Dante's Inferno, one of the levels of hell has all the suicides. And it was custom in the Middle Ages that if you killed yourself, you had your head cut off before you were buried so that you wandered purgatory headless. I never really figured out why that would <laughs> punish somebody for doing that. I don't know. But I don't want you, if you are um, a family who has experienced suicide, but you struggle that your loved one went to hell when they did that, I'd like to absolve you of that. If that person had a relationship with Christ and yet still was put in such a position that they figured out their only way was to take control of something that only God is supposed to have in control of, um, that person is at home with Jesus. I believe that firmly. I believe there is nothing unforgivable. And I believe that Christians can sin. So if suicide is a sin, which I you know, am comfortable agreeing with you on that, that is forgiven in the blood of Christ. But I also want you to know that if you, for any reason, have stumbled across this and you're struggling with the idea of existing, I want to encourage you to examine whatever it is that's burdening you and name the parts of that problem that are temporary and then compare them to the fact that the choice you would be making on ending your life is permanent. Absolutely. Because I made grave mistakes in my past. I, I lost a job. I put my family in danger because of losing my job. It was all part of God leading me into ministry, uh, actually, but it was a very difficult and hard time. And as I was going through that, a man that was very kind to me came up and shook my hand and put his mouth near my ear, and he said, I want you to know in 10 years, nothing will matter. Now, again, I've never been to the place of, I'm going to take my life, but I have been in places where I realized, oh, I see why someone would do that. And when he said that, I thought, 10 years is forever. Well, 10 years from him saying that to me is long past. Long, that's a long time ago. And he was right. 10 years later, that stuff didn't matter. But it did shape me. Yes. And so you mentioned the, the celebrating all the more because of my weakness and God's great, you know, uh, my God's strength is being shown through my weakness. It's never lost on me that when Paul says that, he talks about that idea of celebrating his weakness. If me being weak is ultimately a way that God is great in my life, he doesn't just say I'll accept my weakness. And in, in this sense, weakness being pain, he says it's a thorn in his flesh. He doesn't say, I'll accept it. He doesn't say, I'll learn to ignore it. He says, I will celebrate all the more. This man is literally talking about advertising it. So whatever it is that you might feel like is so burdensome that it makes you worthless and no longer necessary on this earth, at first, you're just wrong. But second, realize that there is another side of that in which you will be celebrating that weakness after you see what was done with it. But you have to get there and you're not going to be able to if you're robbed from yourself by making that ultimate choice. Now, that's not the only way that pain affects people. Pain also affects people by leading them into addictions. It leads them into misbehaviors that they're going to regret. It, pain does a lot of things. But when you think about what you're supposed to do with it, 
the first thing is you're not supposed to do anything with it alone. Absolutely. But you have to be in a community of trust. You have to. This is why I feel so bad uh, every every time some new uh, poll comes out. Every time it's less and less people see religion as being important in life. And it's the younger you are, the more likely you are to feel that way. And you look at our society and it's very clear which generations are the most miserable, really. Troubled, yeah. I mean, it's very, very obvious. And what are they supposed to do? Absolutely. They don't have that community of trust. They and they have, oh, I don't know. <laughs> Somebody said one time, I'm, I'm glad I grew up when I did because I did all my stupid stuff without cell phone cameras. Yes. Yeah, that's true. And so it makes it easier to forget. And when things live in photographs and videos, it, 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 they can come up as often as you see them. But you have to be in a community of trust. If you hear me say that, or if you hear Townsend encouraging that in some way, and you think, oh, they're saying I need to be in church. Well, yeah, for sure. But maybe it's a small group that maybe some people go to church together. Townsend does a Bible study with, she called them horse women. I would never call them that <laughs> to their face. But uh, to her, to her, uh, is there, I don't know, what, what, what would you call them? Horse women just sounds wrong, but cattle girls sounds wrong. I don't know. <laughs> Her small group study, they don't go to church together. My cowgirl crew. The cowgirl crew, they don't go to church together. So it doesn't have, you don't have to be sitting in a pew. And I certainly wish you were, but you don't have to do that. But you need someone that you can share with. And if you say to yourself, I don't have that, then I would like to end this by saying what she's already said, which is, I respect that we're total strangers. We are voices on the backside of microphones. But our email address is said as soon as we hit the stop button on this recording, you can email me and you can give me a way to contact you and I will get to know you somehow or she will get to know you somehow. No one is alone. And I know for myself, and I feel strongly this is true for her, this is why we were made. I was made to be a walk-along person, to go with someone. I can't do it for you, whatever that is. Um, but I know that my trouble in the past led me to meet someone who was having similar troubles and I was able to talk to them as they went through it. Now their life went in a different direction, but for a season, they were not alone. And that is when you, what am I supposed to do with pain? I really feel like personally, I could be wrong. I would love for you to help me grow. If I am, you, you'd stop being alone. That's how you deal with pain, first and foremost. And I love the fact that Townsend has reminded me, you actually pay attention to what's around you because it's not as bad as you want to be led to believe it is. Turn off the TV, put down your telephone, get involved in doing something for someone else, and then all of a sudden see, oh, wait, this is actually a really beautiful world. Amen. And people are really beautiful. And when you take the time to get to know them, you are made more beautiful for that one fact. And so this might not have meant a hill of beans to anybody, but I firmly believe that every time we hit record, there's at least one person that needs to hear something that came out of our mouths. So to you, I say, I have hurt too. And I might be on a mountaintop today because it's summer break, but that does mean that the way life goes, I'm headed for a valley at some point. And the way I can do that boldly is the same way David said in Psalm 23, even though I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't have anything to be afraid of because you are with me. You see, because I'm not alone because God is with me. Guys, we love you desperately. If you're hurting today for any reason, I want you to know that I regret that. 
and Townsend does too. We hate that you feel pain, but you are not alone. And if there was some way for us to be helping you, we pray that you would let us do that by letting us know about it uh, so that we could, I don't know, uh, send you cards, call you. Uh, maybe you're close enough we could buy you a chicken sandwich somewhere. I don't know, but yes, whatever whatever guys. it would take to get you out of what you're in and to help you see that pain is not all there is and that being alone is the worst thing of all, we want to fix that uh, alongside you. So we're very thankful for you because you being here means that we're not alone. And so we're grateful for all of you. We pray wherever you go after you click the stop button that God blesses you and he illuminates every step that you take. Whatever you say, whatever you do in the days ahead, please remember to be kind and show grace to those around you because of the kindness and grace that Jesus has shown you. Until we see you again next week, guys, we're saying goodbye. Have a good one. Bye, y'all. Musings with Townsend and Preacher Man is a podcast dedicated to encouraging you as you think and start your own discussions at home about God and the Christian worldview. If you like what you've heard, please consider giving us a five-star rating on the platform of your choice and share our podcast with folks you know. If you need to get in touch with Townsend or Preacher Man, you can email either of them at mtpm.podcast at gmail.com.